0: Everything happens for a reason. It's a phrase we've all heard and we may have even said, and it hits at the core of something that we often long for in the midst of suffering, finding meaning. We want to believe that our hardships aren't for nothing, that there is a purpose to what we are experiencing. And so much of our mental and physical and spiritual energy can go to the act of trying to find meaning, that we may miss the invitation to trust God in the midst. Today's guest, Beth, found herself longing to find meaning when her son was struck with a mystery illness that eventually took his life. In the midst of the pain and challenges, she and her husband often found themselves asking why. And what she came to learn is God did hear her. God did care about her questions, but he knew the answers he had for her were not going to be what she expected. You're listening to episode 156 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And I just thank you for making this space possible, even if sickness tried to get in the way or busyness. And so all of that, the fact that we're here now makes me believe that there is a reason you want us to have this conversation, that there's something that you want to do through it. So we just want to bring everything that we're already bringing in our minds and in our hearts, we bring it to the table, we release it to you, We say, here we are, and we just invite you to take this conversation wherever you want to take it. Ultimately, we want you to be honored and glorified, but we also know that you could do abundantly more, and we welcome that. So thank you for the space and time. Thank you for what you will do. in our pray holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. We had hoped to talk earlier this month and I had to postpone it. And then I woke up sick this morning, but I said, I'm not postponing again. And I really do believe, I really do believe that when there's these obstacles, that's all the more reason to press in because God wants to do powerful things. And sometimes there are things that want to stop that. And so here we are. And before we jump in, for those that are listening, what would you want them to know about who you
1: are? Oh, well, first of all, thank you for having me. I am a mother, right? And I also am the executive director of the Mitchell Thorpe Foundation, which is in memory of my beautiful son, Mitchell, which we'll get into. Mm -hmm. I'm an author. I'm a faith influencer. I do public speaking as well. I love to impart God's word into people. And that's a little bit who I am. I love to take long walks along the beach with my two big golden doodles (laughs) and just hear the voice of God speak through me. that's my time with him.
0: Yeah. So already it's clear that where you are in your life is probably different than where you would have thought you would have been years ago. And part of that came through tragedy. And one of the things that you noted when we first connected is that God's inviting you to help people to understand how tragedy can be turned into something meaningful. Mm -hmm. But for you, this wasn't just some grand idea you had, it came from experience. So tell me a bit of your story.
1: Wow, yes, so here we go. (laughs) So like you said, my prior life was not running a foundation. I was totally in a different industry along with my husband. And it really was when my son, Mitchell, who at the age of 13, came down with an unexplainable, mysterious illness that left many doctors mystified after five years of in and out of hospitals throughout the United States, trying to find a diagnosis and a cure. I mean, it was our never-ending quest trying to help our boy with this. And it was a season of life that was very chaotic, very confusing, very frustrating, very painful. But at the same time, we never lost our walk with God. People were praying for us. They knew about our story. We had pastors praying. Mitchell's name was on a lot of different prayer lists throughout different churches. I had pastors coming to pray over us at the home. And so there was all that going on. So we love the Lord. And we knew that we did not understand what was going on here and why no one could get a handle on what was happening to Mitchell. Fast forward five years, I mean, symptoms came on at the age of 13, and he ultimately passed at the age of 18, still undiagnosed with this mysterious condition to his death. And there's been a lot of people over the years, you know, sometimes have said to me, you know, how do you go on living not knowing? But yet we knew we did everything we possibly could, every stone not unturned, right? As parents, you go to the ends of the earth to try and help your child. And it literally almost bankrupted us, right, due to all the out-of-pocket expenses that come along with helping a child with a critical illness, because I had to leave my job to stay by him, to advocate for him, because after a while, as the years went on, he couldn't walk, and then he couldn't speak, and I had to help him, you know, be there by his side. I couldn't leave his side. So it was a very challenging season of life, I should say, and it was five years in with it and after his passed, two years coming out of it, so a seven-year season of life that sometimes people walk in, and then in that case, we were walking in a time that was very challenging. It tested our faith, no question. It brought us to our knees, you know, wailing before the cross, It also brought us to a point of total surrender with all that because that's ultimately at the end when we left the hospital after a month and they basically told us to take him home and make him comfortable, meaning put him in palliative care. We were yet not wanting to give up on him. We were like, no, Western medicine couldn't figure it out. So then we went integrative and we brought in an osteopath and a nutritionist and we had to line up his therapy and all these things in the home. We saw improvement, just those glimmers of hope you kept looking for of light. And we had to read his body language a lot to see how he was doing most of the time. But ultimately, he did live about 15 more months after that. But ultimately, his system began to just break down and no one could figure that out. Why? You know, and why could no one figure out the answers to this? Mm -hmm. Then you're stuck with this. What is the meaning behind all this, God? Mm -hmm. Right. So that's my subtitle to the book, Finding Meaning in the Midst of Tragedy. And it was really in my deepest pain of grief, because a part of me died with my son, right? I didn't want to be on the planet anymore. Grief wrecks havoc on a marriage, and it wrecks havoc if you don't know how to handle it. And everyone grieves in their own way, so we could talk about that. In my deepest pain of grief, I heard the Lord speak to me, and he said clearly in my spirit that illuminated my mind, this is not the end. This is the beginning. And when I heard that, like, where did that come from? I mean... I sat up in bed, looked to the heavenlies going, what do you mean this is, it feels like the end. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? And literally that same week, my husband was at the local church here and he coached two boys in baseball. My husband was a pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers. So baseball runs really thick through our family. And Mitchell was a great athlete up until he got sick in baseball. And he heard of two boys he coached. One had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, the other one lymphoma. Both families trying to make ends meet. God speaking to his spirit, sitting there at the church going form a bridge, start a foundation like that. That kind of message. Mm -hmm. And then he came home to tell me that. He said, you know, I felt really strongly about this, Beth, that we need to start a foundation to help many going through what we went through. And I I looked at him, I said, you want to do what? (laughs) I said, we don't know anything about starting a foundation. Mm -hmm. But then I began to listen to what he had to say. And I thought, you know, maybe that's what God meant by this is not the end. This is the beginning. And so here we are, we are carrying Mitchell's legacy on to touch so many children's lives and families' lives. Here we are now, fast forward 14 years later, we've helped thousands of children and families and given back $3 million and counting into the community, helping families whose children are fighting for their tomorrows. So as I look back on it now, I can see the fingerprints of God through our story Mm -hmm. and how he took this tragedy and how he brings people closer to him through it. Mm -hmm. So that was huge. It was just a natural draw. People were just drawn to what we do. And we started with one child at a time and it just kept growing and growing and growing. Sometimes I have to keep pinching myself about it. I miss my son horribly, right? Mm-hmm. That bleeding in my heart has stopped. It's a scar now on my heart, but he lives with us. I know he's alive and well. And I feel his spirit all the time.
0: Man, this idea of finding meaning. We're kind of born with it, right? Like I think of my young kids and how often we're in a situation, we make a decision, we do something and our kids say, well, why? Why? Like they want to understand why we're doing what we're doing or not doing what we're not doing. They want there to be meaning. Like we have this deep within us. And we love stories that are filled with meaning. And we love moments like what you just described on this back end, that you projected your life going one way, but now you're in this place that you would never have expected or even possibly have chosen, where your family is able to be this bridge for other families who are struggling through things. And so you can clearly see meaning, you can clearly see the fingerprints, but the hard points are the points in between, particularly with what you all carried that element of unknowns because we equate meaning with answers. Like if I have answers, then I can know the meaning. But what your story demonstrates is something that we see clearly in Job. Job wanted there to be meaning. And the way there was for God to answer his questions and God didn't give him answers. And so you found yourself in this place where your child was being hit with something and nobody could give you answers. Yes. You were praying and God wasn't giving you answers. Then on top of that, It wasn't a one-off thing. It was something that went on for years. And then on top of that, he passed without you ever getting those answers. And so how did you and your husband navigate the depth of those unknowns and still keep on stepping towards God?
1: Yeah, very challenging time. No question. Because at that time, we basically had to just take one step at a time, moment by moment. My husband was busy trying to work, Mm -hmm. bring home the finances. I had to leave my work, my business to stay by him. And so we had a lot of plates in the air spinning at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it was a season of a lot of fear, a lot of anguish. But yet we stayed faithful and every day of opening our Bible in the morning and just asking, Lord, speak through us. What are we to do next, God? bring to us the people that we need to have in front of us so we can see, open our eyes, so we may see what we need to do, where we need to take him next, where do we need to go? Mm -hmm. It was always that constant search. And you're right, it was almost very much similar to the story of Job in such a way that we were tried and we were suffering and my son was suffering. And to watch all this happen and all this pain and suffering was Unbearable, Mm -hmm. unbearable. When Mitchell passed, I actually suffered from PTSD Mm. because I was in the battlefield with him every day, day in and day out. So it began to wreak havoc on my body as well. It was difficult. And what happened after his passing? You know, there are times in the marriage, there are strain, I'll be honest, there's strain and there's struggle and you want to lash out at the person closest to you, right? Because you don't know who you actually want to, you know, go after the doctors and kind of strangle <laughs> them, right? Why don't you know these answers? You know, we're trusting the medical system. They're the experts. But then I began to realize they're humans. They're scratching their heads when they can't figure it out. And then you're left, they're looking like, well, now what, right? And what's next? It really began to open our eyes to what they mean by practicing medicine, mm. and uh, especially a difficult case. I know my son is not the first person on this planet that's been undiagnosed or misdiagnosed. There's many people out there that have gone this walk and have spent gazillion amounts of money trying to find answers and cures and so forth for their own conditions. So I know we're not the first, but it definitely was, a, like I said, a mystery. The whole thing was a mystery. What is going on here, God? And believe me, as human nature, you said, yes, I did ask the question a lot. Mm-hmm. Why? But then I began to read Ann Graham's book of why bad things happen to good people. Mm-hmm. And those questions of why, I might never know those answers because mm-hmm. he might never answer me that. But ultimately, at the end of the day, he had to take Mitchell home to heal him because no one else on this side of heaven could figure it out. And in my new book, a new creation, finding meaning in the midst of tragedy. If people get it, they can read why I titled it a new creation, how Mitchell and God were speaking to us beyond the veil of heaven. And so I began to photograph it and document it because no one would ever believe us, Mm -hmm. but it's, that's That's how beautiful thing, how God knows how to speak to each one of us individually. So we know exactly what we need to see or what we need to hear was meant specifically for you to see, hear, or an insight, Mm -hmm. or a vision, and it was miraculous. Mm -hmm. That's really the premise of the book, really God working through us. We are a witness for Christ working through us, even though at times we felt like he had abandoned us, but ultimately he didn't. Mm -hmm. But it was only then after his passing, and we were all very suffering from the pain and grief, and we knew that we needed to seek help. At least I did. And so I pushed my husband to say, look, we really need to see someone, a, a spiritual counselor. In our case, we sought a spiritual counselor. I always tell people, find someone you trust that you can bear your soul to on everything. And this particular spiritual counselor walked our walk. She was here at the house praying for us during that time and over Mitchell. And she knew what lovely couple we were. And she saw us suffering. So and We didn't want our marriage to be destroyed because we believe in the sanction of marriage. Cause you can't walk this walk without it. Mm -hmm. It's even more difficult if you do it by yourself. So anyway, she took us through a whole exercise when we had to meet with her on forgiveness. Mm -hmm. That started there. She first worked on my husband and then she worked on me. And when I say that to your audience, it's forgiveness is breaking things off, forgiving the doctors that couldn't figure out the answers. Forgiving people who said things they shouldn't have said. Forgiving family members or whatever. It went on and on. Forgiving your wife who said things to you that were hurtful. Back and forth. Mm -hmm. So all this pain that was being stuffed down into our souls and into our spirits. When she started to work on that on us, when that Holy Spirit convicts you with that. My husband was a bawling mess on the floor. Mm -hmm. So was I. It was just that release of all that over five years built up that needed to be released and broken off. I encourage anyone, because anyone who holds it and harbors it, you can't move forward. Mm -hmm. You'll be forever stuck in that place. That was the transformation moment when we went through that. We were exhausted by the end of that therapy session. We both came home. Oh, my gosh, we were wiped. But the very next day, it was like we went through the refiner's fire, if people understand what that means. It's like God put us through that refiner's fire, came out the other side, Totally transformed and I woke up the next day. Nothing ever seemed important after that. I looked at my husband. I said, I don't want to do anything else on this planet unless it has eternal significance. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me, he said, Wow, I can't believe you said that because I feel the same. Nothing mattered anymore. My taste of what I wanted to do in my previous line of work was gone. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what that meant yet. A line of work that has eternal significance. I didn't even know what that was yet. Mm -hmm. So your audience Mm -hmm. understands this. I just knew that there had to be a higher calling and I didn't even know what that was yet, Mm -hmm. but I just felt it. And so what I did feel as well with my husband, Lisa, I can explain on my end, I felt God's loving arms wrapping him around myself because I was so vulnerable. I couldn't even hardly see people. I couldn't bring myself to get out the door, Mm -hmm. but he knew how vulnerable I was. And he said, okay, I'm going to show you the way one step at a time, one step at a time. And off we went. That's when he came home with that message. We're going to start a foundation, and there we are. We thought, well, well this must be it. We followed. We were just obedient servants to hear from him because hmm. yeah. most people might never want to do I mean, if we could have very well turned the cheek and said, no, that's not what we want to do yeah. and continue on our path. But if we didn't listen to the voice of God speaking to our spirits, we would have totally missed out of helping all these children and families and being Jesus' feet on the earth now to do his work, to lay hands on the sick, and to go and talk to these young families like yourself, young families with little ones, Mm -hmm. frightened out of their mind, don't know what to do next. And here we are, we can go and to be the light in the dark in these situations, because it is very challenging for families. It's a frightening time. And I usually tell them, I don't know where your faith is, but you have to have a strong faith to walk this walk. And so I kind of be bold with my faith Mm -hmm. when we go into those hospital rooms. We don't know what we're walking into, but you know, usually the family there, and then we walk in, we introduce ourselves, especially if they're asking for assistance. And at the end of our meeting, we usually say, "I don't," and I do say that, "I don't know where your walk is mm-hmm. in your faith, or if you have faith at all, but is it okay if we pray for you?" Mm-hmm. I've never had anyone refuse that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and no matter what religions they believe in or what they do, we just go and then hold hands around the child's hospital bed and. We take authority over that space and over that room, and you command the enemy to leave and get his hands off that child. We pray life into that child, pray life into the family, that this is not the end, that this is a season of life, and giving them that whole prayer of authority and praying over the doctors for wisdom. And what. by the time they leave, they're like, <laughs> they're like who are these people? Mm-hmm. Right? You know, mm-hmm. but you've got to do that as Christians. The more mature Christians can walk and know how to walk in that authority.
0: You know, you made the comment that you and your husband chose to trust what God was inviting you to, but you didn't have to. And that's, I mean, the reality is you didn't have to. There's a lot of other directions you could have gone. You could have just stayed in this deep place of grief and sorrow because losing a child is a deep, 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 heavy thing. Or you could have chosen to go to path of anger and been mad at the doctors for either not knowing, but you should have known, or well, maybe you didn't do enough, or you could have just locked yourself. Well, you could have done all these things. And what you've described, it sounds like the reason you were able to walk with God and trust God was because of this idea of release. And you've mentioned it in a few ways. You released your need to know the answers. You made the comment, we may never know, right? That's a big comment to make because you're basically acknowledging there is a scenario in which I never get the answers I long for, right? You had to release your thoughts of what life was supposed to look like. Because life is supposed to look like you keep your job and you keep your children, right? You had to release that. You had to release so much. And what's so beautiful about that is that is precisely what Jesus was trying to communicate to us. When he talked about dying to all things and dying to self, he knew what we're talking about now, that there are a lot of directions we could go. There are a lot of things that we could feel like we should have, that we deserve to have, that we need to have. But what he knew is that as long as we held on to any of those, as long as we're not releasing, we're not going to be able to actually follow him. But when we release, it could be hard because some of the things that we release, maybe we do deserve it. (laughs) Maybe that would feel good. But Jesus knows the full life he offers is going to be far more abundantly more than anything we could ask or imagine. And that's what it sounds like you and your husband are experiencing. This opportunity to go into these hospital rooms, to walk with these families, engage with people you never would have met. And you may never have chosen to engage because you're stepping into their tragedy. (laughs) You're finding these expressions, not just of joy and hope and peace, but of God in the midst. And so this redefines what meaning is, right? If meaning isn't answers to why are you doing this, God, how do you understand meaning? What is meaning to you now on this end of it?
1: Well, you know, like I said, there were purposeful signs and wonders that I documented after Mitchell's passing when he was in one- chapter I titled, Speaking Beyond the Veil of Heaven, because I know my son was trying so desperately to speak to us because mm. he couldn't speak. It's a beautiful way he showed that to us. But I think I got to the point of, like you said, I had to stop asking why. You know, you get through that why, then you have to go past it because, like I said, I might never know why. But all I know is how to move forward in love, in what God did through us, so we can share that with others. Mm-hmm. And he can use us in this sphere of influence, right? This is our sphere of influence Mm -hmm. of helping others that God already perceived and knew ahead before we did. He already knew what was going to happen with all this. Mm -hmm. We didn't. Mm -hmm. So this is where we had to step out in faith and then trust. For your audience, I'd say, you know, yeah, as human nature, when you're hurt, extremely devastated and hurt. I mean, that's the first thing people do is lash out at God, right? Mm-hmm. They are yelling and screaming, and they know, why did you do this, God? Why did you do this? That, you know, that's just human nature. God understands anger, just as long as it doesn't lead to sin, right? I mean, it's okay to be angry. Again, when you're screaming to the heavenlies, why? You know, again, I didn't hear from him. He didn't answer me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We had to walk by faith, not by sight, a lot through all these unknowns. That's a whole nother subject, you know, because faith doesn't always take you out of the problems in life. Mm-hmm. Faith helps you get through the problems. Yeah, And faith doesn't always take away the pain that we were experiencing, but faith gives you the ability to handle it. And faith doesn't always take you out of all the chaos and the storms of life that we all walk in, in a daily basis. Faith calms you in the midst of the storm. God mm-hmm. think of Jesus on the boat. He's sleeping, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone's panicking. That's what it felt like, chaos in the air. and The disciples are freaking out. <laughs> We're going to drown. Here's Jesus sleeping. You know He's calm in the midst of it. It's like, how in the heck can you be calm in the midst of this, Jesus? Mm-hmm. Peter, walk out of the boat. What? No, that's what Jesus did a lot for Brad and I. Walk out in the middle of the unknowns is terrifying. Mm-hmm. But we have to always, as I know, hold God's right hand, and he will guide us. Mm-hmm. Think of it like a child lost in a big city, and everything's swirling around the child and he's looking around and lost and confused and scared. And that's what we felt like reach out for Jesus hand and he will rescue you and he'll take you out of the storms and show you the way. And that's what it felt like for mm-hmm. us. And so faith is a huge one. And then trusting, learning to trust again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that was a growing thing for me. And I just know that he was faithful and I just have to trust of everything that happened, even though I didn't agree. Yeah. My plan was not his plan. My plan was to have Mitchell healed here on this side of heaven. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then when it didn't happen the way I expected, again, that's when you get hurt. That's where people can get bitter. I've spoken to groups on grief and some people get stuck, like I said, in that bitterness of grief and anger and pain and they can't get out of it. And they're grumpy people or they numb it with alcohol and drugs just to numb the pain. And that doesn't help them or people around them, Mm -hmm. right? It makes things worse. So it's a challenging thing, no question. Mm-hmm. So the r- way to bring about that is you've got to get to the root. I'm always about getting to the root of things, mm-hmm. right? Root is all the pain of and forgiving and releasing. You know, you know, Jesus says all that all the time. You have to forgive 77 times and even continue to forgive 77 mm-hmm. or more times than that, right? Keep forgiving to move forward. We could not do the work we do today if we didn't go through that exercise because we couldn't see the light of day.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We would have been stuck, as you said, in that pain. And that's where the enemy wants to keep you anyway. Mm-hmm. That's his ammo. But at the end of the day, which was really interesting, is when I said when I came through the refiner's fire and I was total so transformed. This fire in my belly was just so strong that it was not so much anger, but it was fire against the enemy. And I said, "You messed with the wrong mama and papa bear." Mm-hmm. And I'm going to bring more people to Christ than you've ever seen. And you've just wrestled with the wrong one. Mm -hmm. And so that was that fire in me that just came from, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. But that only comes from God. And then I learned, you know, you have to learn your authority, how to take control of the situation, get the enemy off my child. I wrestled with him in the dirt many times of getting his hand off my son mm-hmm. and off my family in the name of Jesus and in the blood of Jesus. Right. Always walking in that authority. Mm-hmm. I was wrestling in the dirt with mm-hmm. him all the time because people had wrote to us and told us, and I write it in the book, there was a higher calling on Mitchell's life. And I didn't know that. And the enemy did not want that exposed. Do you mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you said, being sick, mm-hmm. he does everything in his power trying to, not, to get the word of God out there. Mm-hmm. He'll do whatever he has to do, you know, but you have to know his antics and just say, no, you have no authority over this ground. You have no authority here in the name of Jesus. Yeah. So I usually tell Christians, and if you're not a Christian, I just say, just start opening a Bible and let God speak to your spirit. Yeah. And sometimes for people who are new or baby Christians... It can be kind of confusing, right? Mm -hmm. So I just say, try to get in a good Bible-based church where you can be mentored and start there and just grow in your walk with him because God is relational. He likes relationships with us. Mm -hmm. It's like our father in heaven we've never had, you know, the best partner in life you ever want to have next to you. Mm -hmm. And he likes that conversations with him. Good, bad, bad. He loves to laugh. He's got a great sense of humor because mm-hmm. there's many times I've seen him work in our lives. And I am said, I just look to the heavens. and I say, oh, you're good. Mm-hmm. You know, and I laugh. I said, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, all the things that he's brought us through and people, like you said, met. And I always wake up every morning now and I always ask, Lord, OK, surprise me, Lord. Mm-hmm. Who are we going to meet today? Mm-hmm. What are we doing today, God? Where are we going? What's my purpose? What's my plan for you? So it's always about him. And he's just opened doors like I've never seen. I tell that to your audience. He'll open doors for you. But you've got to be open to him yeah. to come into your heart. And you've got to be obedient to listen and to know those promptings. Some people might call it intuition. I kind of call it a prompting that illuminates your mind. Mm-hmm. That's the word of God. Like, where did that come from? Right. Like, Or a vision or whatever it may be. That's how God speaks to his people. Yeah. He knows how to get to us, yeah. to get our attention.
0: And what you're saying, it really does point out why finding meaning can be hard, because I think what we often do is we're trying to find meaning within our bubble, our bubble of our life, our bubble of what we want, and our bubble of our understanding. And what God did for you and your husband is took you on this journey of helping you to see that the world is bigger than your bubble. Yeah. Right. So that journey of practicing forgiveness because in our bubble, it says, if somebody harms me, they're at fault. They're wrong. I am justified in being angry. And you might be justified, but what does it look like to release that? What does it look like to free people from having to owe you? You know, Popping the bubble of answers, like we've talked about. Being able to say, you know what? Even if God never gives me the answers, I want to honor him. And then you talked about how God was inviting you to the space of being able to love, and to love in a way that you hadn't been able to before. And you and your husband were probably very loving to people prior, Yeah. but now God's showing you a different way of loving, a deeper way of loving, a way of loving that comes through him and his spirit, not from good intentions or kindness. And so your bubble now recognizes that meaning isn't just what's good for your individual life, which would be your son's still alive. Yeah. You know, you and your husband yeah. are doing what you're doing. No, meaning actually incorporates not just you and your family, But the whole of creation, the whole of all that are made in God's image, and your meaning is in a place of that. And so as you were talking, it made me think of another genius thing that Jesus said that we didn't get. (laughs) There are those that have eyes to see that don't see, ears to hear and don't hear. Mm -hmm. We can see things and not really see, but what God's doing in breaking that bubble is allowing us to actually see. Mm-hmm. You and your husband now see reality in a very different way than you did when your son was 12 years old. Oh yeah. That doesn't mean that you were bad or wrong in how you understood God or the world, but it means that in our own abilities, we are incapable of getting where God's inviting us. It's only through God that get
1: there. Absolutely. As we forgive, we make that room for limitless good mm-hmm. that God can bring. And as I look back in my life, I realize how much holding on to resentments from the past, even in our relationships, it blocks your peace in the present and mm-hmm. can even hinder your growth in the future. So I usually tell people forgiveness is the key to your freedom.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It was the key to my freedom It was key to my husband's freedom. And then we had to learn how to take the limits off God. Mm-hmm. We all want to box Him in, but God is so vast. It's written in the Word, His ways are not our ways, and His thinking is not our way of thinking. And I might be all faced, but I try to get as close to it as possible and try to follow Him as much as possible with His prompting, mm-hmm. right? Or a door opens, or this is what we're to do today, and this is who you're supposed to meet. I always ask for that provision, and who am I supposed to meet today, God? And my spirit to be open to what you have for me to say to a person mm-hmm. or to whatever. I have to be open to this Holy Spirit to guide me in that way. Yeah. I would say that you know, forgiveness is the key to all of our freedom. Yeah. That's where you need to start yeah. in order to see the light of day for us. That's what we needed to do. And your audience needs to know this is not happen overnight. Right,
2: right. This
1: is a process. It took two years for me to come out of that grief. And even still, that was still challenging and walking through it all. It was just, I don't even know how to explain it. It was like, I was here in this plane or this earth, but it, I wasn't. It was like my feet weren't kind of touching the ground. It was like, like I said, God was just wrapping his arms around me and said, this is where we're going to go. Because you know how weak and vulnerable I was. And this is the beautiful thing about weakness when we talked about it before the call. When we're tired and weak, when we are weak, mm-hmm. That's where Jesus shows His strength the most, where others see. Because believe me, we were very well known in this community I live in. People were watching and observing how we reacted, how we moved, what we did Mm -hmm. with all this. Mm -hmm. That's where God wants to show up to show His glory the most when you are the weakest. And it was oh so profound. It's just amazing to see what He did there, and I'm very humbled by the whole thing actually. And so here we are now, 14 years later. I said, and then. I wanted to always write our story, but I could not write it early on. I couldn't see it all. You know what I'm saying? From God's perspective. Mm -hmm. And I still don't see it all from his perspective. You know, (laughs) there's still more to come. But when COVID hit, obviously everything shut down, quieted my world, canceled all our events. And again, I heard God illuminate my mind and my spirit at that time. I wanted to write it in my 10-year anniversary with the foundation, but nothing was flowing from my brain Mm -hmm. to my heart to my fingers. Mm -hmm. It was like I was stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like a writer's block. And I understand what writers go through now. There's nothing was flowing. And it really was then COVID when that hit two years later. And then I heard him speak to my spirit. He said, daughter, it's time to write our story. Mm-hmm. And when I heard him say it like that, it illuminated my mind. I was like, okay, when you hear your daddy speak, you got to move. Mm-hmm. And it was like, all of a sudden, I can't explain it again. Something broke, and the floodgates opened, and I just began to pour out with my writing. It took me nine months to write the manuscript, mm-hmm. another six months with my editor, so 15 months in all to put this manuscript together, and a miracle itself with that, they say writing a book is hard. They say, then try to get it published. Mm-hmm. So then you're like, oh my gosh, how do you begin with this? With how do you, Who do I go to? What do I do? And I just happened to remember, someone told me to get this big book of all these publishers and editors, and I started flipping through it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was overwhelmed, right? With where do I begin, Lord? Who do I pick? What do I do? Mm -hmm. So I reached out to a gal. She's an author here. Some of your audience might know the movie Heaven is for Real. Lynn Vincent co-wrote that with Todd Burpo, the pastor. Well, she lives here in my area. So I just happened to reach out to her. Again, bold faith. I said, I met you at one of your you know seminars, and you know I came up to you afterwards. You probably do not remember me, but um, I'm writing a book. I put my book proposal together. Would you be so kind to look at it? You know, Just bold faith, right? Mm-hmm. So she reached out and said, of course. So she read it. So it's like, wow, she did that. So we talked. I told her I was very confused on where to send the book. I showed her a few faith publishers I was looking at. And then we started to talk about it a little bit. And then we kind of landed on a couple. And I went and said, okay, I'm going to go for this one first because they're more of a hybrid. They're more to my liking of who I would probably feel good with. And like long story short, submitted the manuscript. They only publish 25 faith books a year. And I happen to be one of them. Um, and I got the congratulations letter. It's hanging on my wall right mm-hmm. here as I point to it the week of Mitchell's passing. Oh, wow. In November. I just was wailing and just holding it to the heavenly, is going, oh, God, you really must want your story out there. Mm-hmm. That's unheard of, you know, to get your first submission and first acceptance.
2: Yeah. And
1: the most beautiful thing about it now is the book is now getting attention from some film producers mm-hmm. and we're getting ready to write it in a movie script. Oh, wow. So that's, that's again, <laughs> God's limitless, yeah. like, what? Mm-hmm. What? What? You know, it's just a beautiful thing to see. When it comes to fruition, you can have me back on your show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we'll talk about that yeah. experience. Yeah,
0: There's something you said that I think is incredibly important, even to, again, this idea of finding meaning, because as we expand those bubbles, the place that we keep getting hit is we're still thinking of it in terms of our life and our interaction with the world. But you said that what prompted the writing of the book was when God said, it's time to tell our story. Something that I had been thinking about earlier is it could have been very hard to find meaning when your son was struggling and then when he passed, because it could seem cruel. Why would God take him away? Right. Meanwhile, God sees this as his story. And here's what God knows. God knows he loved Mitchell way more than you ever could. I know. He loved Mitchell with a depth. And so what he was doing with Mitchell was coming from that place of love. But then you also talked about some of your chapters are from this place of how you feel God is communicating and with Mitchell and this idea that right now, God and Mitchell are feeling immense joy, right? And so like what we see is a bad negative thing. What we see is tragedy because of how much it hurts. God sees it a bigger way because he sees the full picture. Mm-hmm. You know, when you talked about forgiveness, Jesus demonstrated that as well. And, you know, sometimes forgiveness is hard because the people are still doing the things. When Jesus forgave those persecuting him, they were still actively persecuting him and were going to do worse. I know. But he understood what you were talking about. And even though the tragedy that he experienced was immense even though on the cross, he was the weakest he had ever been in his entire life physically, he knew that God saw the bigger thing beyond the bubble. Mm-hmm. And while the disciples thought that it was an irredeemable tragedy in the midst of it, like, oh, no, this guy we've been following is dead now. What do we do? But even Jesus knew, no, 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 this is not the end of the story. In fact, as you noted, This is just the beginning. There's so much that's powerful in this, but I think this idea of how people can find meaning is important and predominantly around what you said, that it's a journey, Mm -hmm. that it's an ongoing thing. It's not like suddenly it clicks, but you have to continue. And so, you know, let's say somebody's listening and they're in a similar place of suffering. Maybe they have a child that is sick. Maybe doctors can't figure out what it is. Maybe they've lost a child. If you could talk to that person, what would you want to say?
1: Mm. Wow. Well, I think what just came to my mind is Psalm, I think it's 3418, that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. God does not want us to mourn the way unbelievers mourn. You will find joy, even though you'll carry your son or your child if you lost And some might have lost them, like in, I think of other tragic ways, people have lost children, That just breaks my heart, Mm. that you carry them in your heart forever. The only glimmer of hope that I want you to think of, if you are a believer, that to know that your child or your loved one is not in your past, they are in your near future. So keep your eyes forward and know that you will see them again. Mm. But you need to believe and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life for you to spend eternity in heaven, for you to experience and to see your loved ones again. So some of the people are on the fence of not knowing or wanting to accept Christ into their life. This would be the time to do so. And I would say, get on your hands and knees and say, forgive me, Father, for doubting. Forgive me, Father, for not trusting in you. And forgive me, Father, for all the things I should have done and didn't and, and said that were hurtful. Show yourself real to me, God. Yes, come into my heart. I want you to make you my Lord and Savior. Show me the way forward. You see where I am. I'm weak. I'm tired. I don't know what to do. Show me the way forward. And if you say that simple prayer of authenticity in your heart, God hears it. Mm -hmm. And he will show you the way. Yeah.
0: Well, let's say somebody wants to hear more of your story or wants to connect with you. What's the best way for them to do that?
1: Well, they can go to my website, anewcreation.org. Anew is all one word newcreation.org. And there's a way to either get the book or reach out to me there. That's perfectly fine. If they wanted more information about the foundation, that's under mitchellthorpe.org. The book is on there too, on the top header. If you want to buy the book there or learn more about the foundation, what we do with that, or consider donating to a child fighting for their tomorrow's, We're helping all kinds of children and families that are needing help. So there's two ways to do that. And if they wanted to buy the book, it's online, mm-hmm. bookstores, wherever books are sold, yeah. a new creation, all one word. And then I would love it if they do do it, write me a review because I love the reviews coming in. I've been getting some beautiful reviews. I just printed out a couple. Can I read one? Yeah, go for or it. Or two? Yeah. Okay. Of how it's touched people's lives. because As an author writing a very true, raw, authentic story like this, you never know how it's going to be perceived and yeah. how it affects people. Here it says, what a page turner. I just finished reading your book. What an incredible journey. At times, the mountains in your lives seem so high, but at other times, God gave you such incredible wings to fly. I so admire your faith, resilience, strength, commitment, love, and vision. Your lives are a true testament that when men and women turn their lives over to God, they will discover that He can make a lot out of their lives than they can. What an incredible legacy of service, love, and faith you have created. Wonderful book, foundation, family, and story. Mm, Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? That was nice that she read that. Yeah. So that was sweet.
0: I can resonate. You know, you said when you are putting yourself out there, when you're vulnerable, and particularly when you're doing something that you hadn't planned to do. Years ago, you weren't planning on writing a book. No. When you take that step of obedience And you put yourself out there, you're left kind of wandering and you're willing to do it because God invited you, but you're like, is this going to make an impact? Is this going to have value? So when you get that feedback, like there have been strategic moments when I was feeling particularly low about certain things and I would get some kind of feedback from someone who would listen to an episode. And for me, those moments are like God saying, see, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. So keep on trusting me, (laughs) keep on walking, keep on sharing. So I'm really grateful just for you and your husband's willingness to not just capture the story in the book, but to continue to live out what God has revealed to you through your story with others who are at the point where you were at you know, all those years ago, Mm -hmm. that now you get to step into those spaces where they're feeling low, when they're yelling at God, where they're asking those questions when they want answers and you're able to walk with them. So I want to thank you for doing that. And as we close out, Is there anything else that God has put on your heart that you feel led to share?
1: Wow, we can go on forever. (laughs) This is my favorite subject. I guess I would say God is the only one who can heal, restore, and redeem for his glory. So that is kind of where I'm at with that. I give him all the glory for everything that we do. I thank him, actually, for everything he's shown me and has brought me through and my family this far. I look forward to the day, like I say, I put one foot in eternity and I have one foot on earth. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And I look forward to the day when he brings me home where I'll be able to reunite with him and my son and everyone else in the heavenlies. I tell kind of people that, you know, try not to hang on to too much earthly things Mm because these things come and go. Mm -hmm. Where is your focus? Focus on Whatever it is, being kind to one another. You smile to someone. We're living in a world today that's just beyond words of how people behave and treat each other. It's just heartbreaking to me. So we need to learn to reach out and love. You
2: will walk, you will run, dance through the streets, shouting praise to the-
0: In Psalm 73, Asaph wants to find the meaning of his hardship. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Asaph could make no sense of how the world was working. Why was it that those who were dishonoring God seemed to thrive, and meanwhile Asaph was trying to honor God and found himself stricken and rebuked every morning? He wanted to find meaning in the hardships that he and others were experiencing, but when he thought of how to understand it, it seemed to him a wearisome task, until he went into the sanctuary of God. Sometimes when we're trying to find meaning, we can get lost in our questions. We can get so focused on asking why that we forget that we are asking God. In other words, that we are in the presence of the God of the universe. And when we begin to value that presence over answers, we can find ourselves discerning things that we had easily missed up until that point. When Asaph went into God's presence, he gained a sense of peace knowing that God knew what he was doing. Even though the realities that he had named before hadn't changed, that those who were doing so much wrong were experiencing so much prosperity, God gave Asaph a peace that that wasn't the end of the story. And though it was still true that Asaph was stricken and rebuked every morning, God gave him a peace that it wasn't the end of the story. Asaph came to know and trust that God knew what he was writing, that God could give him counsel, that God could be everything that he needs right here on earth, that his flesh and heart could fail, but God was the strength of his heart and his portion forever. In other words, in Asaph's desire to find meaning, he found that the true meaning was God and his glory. As he puts it in the last verse, But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. That is now the story of Beth and her husband. In their longing to find meaning in the illness and death of their son, They came to discover that God had something abundantly more than they could have asked for or imagined. And now they have the opportunity to tell of all his works to families across the country. Their search for meaning was looking for the answer to their whys. But God said, I have so much more to show you. And so even though some questions have gone unanswered, the answers they received to questions they never knew to ask have brought them immense peace and joy. And the same can be true for you. If you are longing to find meaning for your hardship, do what Asaph did and what Beth encouraged us to do. Get into God's presence. It may end up meaning releasing some of the wise, but you may gain what Asaph gained. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God hears your questions, and he will help you find a deeper meaning than you know to look for. All you have to do is seek him, and then ask yourself, where did you see God? Have you ever wanted to read Revelation, but haven't known where to start? Or have you been afraid to read Revelation because of all the ways you've seen it misused? Or maybe you haven't even wanted to touch Revelation, but feel like maybe you should, since it's part of the Bible? Well, if you're in any of these positions or any other ones, I've got a resource for you. It's called A Journey Through Revelation for the Person Who Doesn't Want to Read Revelation. And here's the thing. The hope for this resource is that it makes the exploration of who God is and what Revelation can mean for you accessible, whatever you believe. And this will not be your normal revelation study. It's not going to dive into the historic representations of the imagery or expertly decipher the prophecies. The goal of this is not to tell you what revelation means. It's to explore what it can mean for you. Now, this thing is available for you right now in a few forms. One, you could go to wwwwheredidyouseegodcom revelation, and you can find a PDF for free, which you can read on your phone, on your device, or print out. But if you like something that's a little nicer looking, it is also available through Amazon on Kindle and in paperback form. And I prefer paperback whether you print it or you get the one on Amazon, because this gives you a place to write some things out because you're gonna want a place to write things out. Because I really do believe that God wants to speak to you through Revelation, whatever you feel about Revelation, whatever your experience, and whatever you think about God. So if you're interested, get it for free. Get it for a very, very, very low price. This is not about making money, but about us together exploring how we can see God in the midst of such a difficult and controversial book. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of their music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where
2: did you see God?